0: United Nations report warns the impacts of climate change are increasing and inevitable. Experts say that we have until 2030 to avoid catastrophe. Temperatures in the Arctic warmed about two It will be very difficult, and impossible, for our children to control climate change. This is South of Two Degrees, and I am your host, Brian Barnes. It is so good to have you with us today on the only podcast dedicated to bringing unfiltered scientific research to the forefront of the climate conversation. We've got only a short update for you today, so my friends, once more, into the fray. Welcome back, and today is going to be an abbreviated show due to the California wildfires as Berkeley, California is the current home of this show. And instead of looking at cutting-edge climate change research as we normally do, we decided to do a quick update this week on the fires that are still raging around the Bay Area. Year-to-date, there have been 7,012 wildfires reported across California. The latest rash occurred as a result of a storm that passed through California and directly over the Bay Area on August 15th, where 13,000-plus dry lightning strikes started over 500 fires in less than 72 hours. This has left 7 dead and 170,000 people under evacuation orders, despite 50,000 being allowed to return to their homes on Sunday. Okay, so you've heard the term on the news, and you might be saying, what is dry lightning? Well, actually, dry lightning is a misnomer. Lightning is an electrostatic discharge, and as it's just full of electrons, it's neither wet nor dry. It's just shall we say, lightning. However, the term dry lightning is often used to explain pyrocumulonimbus or dry thunderstorms. That is simply when a storm passes over an area with high heat and low humidity in the lower layers of the atmosphere. As the rain falls from the upper levels of the storm, the raindrops can actually be absorbed in the lower layers of the air such that no water touches the ground. When lightning occurs in this type of storm, it is often labeled as dry lightning. And the storm that hit the Bay Area occurred just one week after temperatures in Death Valley, which is about 300 miles away from the Bay, hit a scorching 130 degrees Fahrenheit or 54.4 degrees C. Now, dry thunderstorms are the number one cause of wildfires or bushfires and often occur over parts of Australia and the American Midwest. And these storms are regularly accompanied by extremely strong winds, which only further fan the flames. The latest series of these fires has burned an incredible 1.3 million acres, or what's that about, 2,031 square miles, or roughly 5,261 square kilometers. Of the largest 16, only five are more than 42% contained. The three largest, the first two of which are the second and third largest fires in California state history are the LNU Lightning Complex, the SCU Lightning Complex, and the CZU Lightning Complex. The largest of these, are the SCU Lightning Complex, has burned 363,722 acres as of Tuesday evening and is only 15% contained. The SCU Lightning Complex has burned 356,326 acres and is only 27% contained. And the CZU Lightning Complex has burned 78,869 acres and is only 17% contained. Now, for the vast majority of you who I can only assume aren't familiar with the Bay Area, you can do this. Make a narrow U with all four fingers in your thumb. And aside from looking weird to anyone watching you if you have headphones on, the empty space between your fingers roughly represents the San Francisco Bay. Now, the city of San Francisco would be your thumbnail. The Golden Gate Bridge would extend off the tip of your thumb, and Berkeley would be about where the last joint in your fingers are. Now, the largest fire is the SCU Lightning Complex, which is on the backside of the coastal range and approximately where your knuckles are. The second largest, or the LNU, is in Napa Valley, which is an area that would be just beyond the tip of your fingers. And the third, or the CZU, is right at the fat part of your thumb. And yes, your thumb is fat. I can see it. It's fat. Just kidding, seriously. You have beautiful hands, I'm sure, and I can't see it. Now, it's the third fire that I want to address quickly. It is here that Big Basin Redwood State Park resides, which is California's oldest state park founded in 1902 and boasts 250,000 visitors a year a lot of reports came out early that the park was completely gone. While we don't have an extensive report yet, thankfully it seems that most of the redwoods, some of which are 1,800 years old or more, are still standing and quite alive, despite almost all showing some signs of fire damage. Now, the park headquarters, which was built in 1930, is completely gone save for the chimney, and much of the surrounding forest is completely burned. Despite this, as of Monday morning, woodpeckers could be heard pecking on the trees in the area, and Stellar Jays were seen chasing bugs near what used to be the old amphitheater. So life goes on there despite the devastation. Now, the early news devastated many residents as this is a beloved area. Even for me, when my family moved from Australia to the Bay Area... Big Basin was the common weekend sojourn for us, and I used the redwoods to introduce my three young kids to not only forestry and ecology, but conservation as well. It is truly a special place in my family's time in California and to many of the people who live in and around the Bay Area. That said, the fact that the redwoods still stand is something not unexpected. You see, redwoods are a unique species. While coastal redwoods are not the largest by mass, that honor belongs to the sequoias in the Sierra Nevadas of eastern California, they are the tallest. The mother of the forest in Big Basin stands 15 feet, 3 inches in diameter, 70 feet in circumference at the ground, and a whopping 329 feet high. And yes, she is still alive and standing today. Redwoods are specifically designed to survive fire with a fireproof bark. As long as their bark is in place, they usually survive just fine. Even those that have the heartwood burned out at their base, allowing you to physically walk inside the trunk of the tree, which can be kind of cool to see, often do just fine. In fact, these trees are so adapted to fire that they will often save up their seeds until a fire passes through before dropping them to allow those seeds the best chance to survive with holes in the canopy for sunlight and a nutrient-rich soil. So where does this land us? Well, to be honest, we're not in a good spot despite the persistence of the coastal redwoods. From previous shows, you're aware that while anthropogenic climate change did not directly cause the fires, it did, and according to the latest science will continue to, make them more likely. Studies on the 2020 fires won't be out for a while. When they do, we'll make sure to talk about them on the show. But as we learned from an evaluation of the Australian bushfires at the beginning of the year, anthropogenic climate change made those roughly 30% more likely to occur. In California, I'll refrain from speculating without the hard science in my hand. But I'm sure you can probably connect the dots and come up with an approximate outcome. As we finish up this abbreviated show today, know this is just the beginning of the fire season in California, and we here at South of Two Degrees will continue to keep you updated. Now, this next week, make sure you check out the blog at southoftwodegrees.org and follow us on Instagram as I'll be driving across the southern two-thirds of the U.S., and we'll definitely share the adventure with you. But for now... That wraps up another episode of South of Two Degrees. Make sure you tune in next week for our groundbreaking three-part mini-series called What Stands in Our Way to get an appreciation of the hurdles we need to overcome to limit anthropogenic warming to less than, or shall I say, South of Two Degrees.